That's a fucking tall order. All right. All right. Stretched. All right. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast. It is episode 17, which I don't think is right. Is <laughs> episode... Good start. All right. Let's see if we can keep the intro in order. If we can get through the intro, we can get through any of it. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast. It is episode 18, and in this episode, we're talking about Herman Hesse's Steppenwolf. I am Ryan. With me is my good buddy and fellow host, Jacob. Yes, hello, and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, our little book club, book cult, book thing. This is a fun episode. Yes. I haven't even heard the episode yet. We haven't even recorded the episode yet, obviously, because we're doing the intro right the second. But I can declare this the most fun episode to date, mostly because of the content of this book. Well, not mostly. Partially because of the content of this book. Yes. And partially just because of the circumstances surrounding the recording of this episode. I know last episode, it was a little weird. It was different for us. We recorded on a on a Sunday morning. Uh our, our kind yeah. of times had been off with trying to record in our normal time slot, and uh, I know I was sick, so we kind of had to push it off a little bit. Recorded on Sunday morning, still a good book. Thoroughly enjoyed the discussion, but it, it yeah, it just felt uh, I don't know, a little awkward. Well, not awkward, just the the mindset you're in. You know, it's not that like you know now we're in the studio, it's dark outside, partially because daylight savings. This is our first. This is our first post daylight savings like it is, yeah. Weeknight episode, so it got dark really early. It feels super late, and uh, also partially spoiler alert. We, uh, you know, we're 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 big <laughs> fans of the podcast as a medium for for information and communication yes. and fun with our friends. And you know, we love football. We've said that a few times on the show. We have a fantasy football league that we're in. We do a little something for fun for them. And uh, this week came with a little bit of consequences for us, uh, knowing yeah. we had to record this episode immediately thereafter. We had some bets, uh, some bets involving alcohol. Those bets were paid off, and now we're both enjoying a, a, a couple of glasses of uh, a nice Cab Sov, yes. I believe. So yeah. this is going to be an especially fun kind of wheels-off episode. Do you want to like a, pop a, your, your, your wine taste here on yeah, the Yeah, this is, this is a Volker Excel. I, I, don't even, I don't even know. T- 2012 Cab Feels like it might be a little bit past its prime, but uh, but you know it's the wine. same could be said about us too. Yeah. To be fair, so yeah, so you're a wine guy. I, I will yeah. I will admit this, and you know, again, I understand if people are going to stop listening or unfollow or whatever, it's well within you know reason. I'm not really a wine guy. Like I I'll, I partake from occasion to occasion, and mostly yeah. with red wine. Like I I want to do it with a meal, but at this point, you know, I've got a little bit of alcohol on me, so the wine is fine at this point, but. I've always been, I've always been a beer guy. Sure, honestly, like, and that's not to say I like, you know, I I like a very broad range, you know, whether it's your your basic domestics that you get from you know the gas station or Coors Light, which yeah. we partook in earlier, or when you get to your more sort of microbrew and esoteric combinations for for beers <laughs> and like I, I like everything in in the spectrum. And actually, I'm actually excited that we're actually starting to get a little bit of cold weather here and not just like fall weather, like legitimately yeah. cold weather. I was out pretty late last night. It's like uh, 19 degrees. It was, yeah, it was in the twenties last night and yeah. it's just like, it's like, Oh my gosh, like it's, we're in Texas. What is this? It's winter. So I'm excited because it's stout season. Um, all right. Idea for a new podcast from better. The beer shelf, better. The beer shelf. Where we have a, we have a shelf of beers next to our shelf of books and we decide where the beers go. 
and the the silver lining is it doesn't matter how crappy the beer is, we're always getting uh, a little bit buzzed from it. Okay, I will double down, and uh, I will only do this if we agree to call it better the beer gut and better the beer gut and better this. So look out for that on SoundCloud and iTunes and all the other platforms and. Uh, you know, we're excited about announcing apparently better the beer gut coming soon. Yeah. But anyway, not, this not episode, happening. yes, this episode is going to be a pretty standard episode per usual. We're we're back a couple weeks now in long form fiction, and this is going to be a continuation of that. We're going to tell you a little bit about the author Herman Hesse, brief summary of the book, and then we're just going to get into it. Um, I don't think we have as many questions this week. I know you had a lot of questions last week. We have week. a lot of stuff to talk about. We, we don't have as many questions per se, but we do have a lot of things that we want to talk about in this book. And then uh, at the end, we're going to get into our patented uh, three-tier rating system, four if we're getting rid of it, five if we're cooking it into a pie or something for Thanksgiving, six if we're using it for a white elephant gift for uh, Christmas. It's the holiday season. I've got to get those references in there. So, yes. Yeah. Fun stuff. Traditional disclaimer, Ryan. Yeah. So if you haven't read the the book, I don't know why you'd be listening to a podcast about a book you haven't read. Uh, you're not going to really learn anything from us. Uh, have you not partaken in the text You'll learn itself? Some I feel like we're pretty informative. Uh, I mean, yeah, stuff. look, I, I guess you could like fill in the gaps. If I'm sure there's like high school or college kids that maybe have run across our podcast. They're like, maybe I can listen to these guys like talk for an hour instead of read the the actual book and have that's something a, smart to say that's a bad no idea. It's, it's a huge mistake um the point is that you know we want to want to have a conversation more so with with uh the two of us about what we've read and uh hope you guys will nod along and go yeah i get that or no these guys are morons and uh i'm, I'm gonna go listen to another episode because uh i think that uh Maybe they might be wrong about this book, but they're right about all the other books they've read. Yeah, just go back and listen to Foundation. That'll be a good episode. Yes, to, if to you go on in. Yeah, if you don't agree with us on Foundation, you will probably not probably agree with not us. Gonna, we're uh, probably you probably. I'm sorry, you're just not gonna not gonna be feeling it. Yes, I agree. All right, so that that is our our standard disclaimer. Uh, now we need to get into Herman Hesse. Herman Man, Hesse, myth, maverick. Yeah, so uh, German writer, grew up in, in Switzerland, uh, yes. I have to interject. Again, I, when I picked this book. I like this. Like, obviously, I was looking, you know, this. I, I kind of caught wind of this author. and uh, it was From your sister? Um, No, not really. It was just kind of like a general, like, collective, okay. like, whether it's spending time at, at bookstores or just getting recommendations or things okay. like that. I caught wind of Herman Hesse. And it was really between two books. It was between this and Siddhartha. And Siddhartha okay. is more of kind of a universal acclaim, but this book is more, and we'll get into it as we talk about the book itself, it's more geared towards, or at least the things to be taken from it are kind of that middle-aged period of your life. There's a lot to be seen in this book, and that kind of intrigued me. So that, coupled with the fact that it was a it was a German author yeah. and that he had a big background, his sort of foundation was poetry. I'm like, oh, this, is, this has got Ryan Guy written... All over it. Yeah. So I don't know how much we've talked about it on this show, but your foundation for writing was poetry. Yes. And I know that you're you're kind of aspiring into into sort of like novelization, but poetry, you know, I feel is sort of that core element of your your being within the sphere, at least a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. It's if like that's an uh, appropriate characterization. Uh, I don't know. You're you. You you're probably better at characterizing that yourself. Yeah, so I will uh, I will grossly overstate uh, as as I'm prone to do. Um, so like poetry to me is like uh, like basketball to to Michael Jordan. 
Um, but I aspire to do other things. Therefore, it's almost like uh, baseball is to, to Michael Jordan. Uh, okay. You well, know, I've seen so, Space Jam, so I, yeah. I, you're hoping that whatever the equivalent of novelist catchers are telling you that it's going to be a strike and you don't swing and then Bugs Bunny will eventually pull you back into poetry. No. And then you'll show up on like a spaceship for the game for the Bulls like in... 97. Yeah. I think that's how that movie went. It's been a while since I've seen Space Jam. Yeah. So, no, I meant more like uh, basketball was sort of a natural, like, medium for Michael Jordan. Fair uh, okay. and uh But he really wanted to play baseball and really wasn't that great at it, but he tried anyway. Oh, wow. Don't be so hard on and yourself. And so that's... No, no, no. Like, I, I'm just I'm just saying, like, that's the that's the sort of thing. Like, my natural, like, inclination is is poetry. So, yeah, yeah I, I liked uh, I liked Hessa. So, man after for, your own heart. Herman yeah, Hessa. like, they're, they're, and, and I, I don't... Uh, I'm much more, like, American and, and British lit read uh, than, uh, than some of the German stuff, so... But, but uh, a connection still, a connection nonetheless. Yes. Even, even kind of just tertiarily through your experiences with your grandmother yes. and learning a lot about like her history growing up in Germany, especially yeah. around the, the like early development times of, you know, the, the third Reich and, and the starting in world war two, we get a little bit of that, like a little bit further back with Hesse. I mean, yep. guy, I'll let you take it. You're, no, you're, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so, so he would have been, uh, the, like the age of my, uh, great grandparents and actually probably, about 10 years older. Well, he was, yeah, he was 50 they were born when he wrote just, this book in the 20s. Yeah. Um, but he was born in, in 1887 in Germany, grew up in Switzerland, um, and then lived his, uh, like, later childhood in, in Germany. And um, he actually lived near where my uh, my family did after the war, uh, outside of Stuttgart in, uh, in the Black Forest area, uh, in a place called uh, Kalf, which is C A. L F uh, for people who want to spell that out. Um, but he got his start at like 18 years old in a bookstore in Tubingen, um, which is a place that I've actually been. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it's this it's uh, so it's kind of like a, a university town now. There, there's uh, there's 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 a school there. Um, but we went uh, to this monastery and it's sort of this quintessential like Bavarian, you know, kind of kind of town. And there's a yeah. river that runs through. And one of the most astounding things to me, um, which is sort of the the point of Germany and, and makes makes uh, sort of a cameo a couple times in the book is that just sort of the. Uh, the detail or the attention to detail. Um, so like uh, when you, when you, we crossed the river uh, in the city, there were these hanging baskets that were just like perfectly manicured um, and just overflowing with flowers. And it was just, it was astoundingly beautiful. And uh, so that's kind of the, the, the German way of life, you know, that we're, we're sort of introduced here. And so, so Hesse is, is uh, has a very complicated background and I don't want to go through, uh, you know, his life to, to not do it justice. I would say that, you know, if, um, if you're interested in, in who he was as a person, you, one should probably read his books, but two, you know, should go read about him as well. I think, uh, a lot of what you see in our, our character, um, Henry in this book, uh, encapsulates a lot of his like philosophical and religious background and interests. Sure. I mean, um, Hesse wrote this book around the same age as our protagonist. Yep. You know, he, I, in doing a little background of my own on the, on the author, he had just recently, well, not recently, but had previously gone through uh, like a Jungian psychoanalysis. And you see a right. lot of those elements within this book. Not that I'm 
an expert on like analytical psychology or anything like that, but just kind of a tertiary sort of search of this sort of background behind it. Yeah, you do see a lot of that. So I think that you do understand not only about the story, but you understand a lot about the author in reading this book. So I don't know if this is necessarily the first book I would recommend maybe in, in trying to get behind him, but or in trying to get information about the author in, in and of itself. But yeah, I did get a lot of that when this book that yeah. there's a lot of elements of himself that he pulls into 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 Henry in this. Okay, so we've been spending an astoundingly horsing or oh my gosh. We've spent an astoundingly uh high amount of time horsey. Horsing. horsing. I was gonna around. say we're we've been horsing around been with, horsing with around. getting into the episode. So anything give else? Me- any last notes? Any last notes on Hesse though before we get into the summary real quick? <laughs> Let me tell you, it's a very detailed and I've got I've got I've got nothing else that's pressing other than to to go do your own research about who he was. Wow. It's pretty lazy of you, but it I is, appreciate it, it. No, it's just if you go look at his Wikipedia page, you'll you'll understand. All right, pretty lazy. Summary, uh, also equally, if not more so lazy, because again, I feel like this is a book that's tough to just sort of give a two to three sentence summary yeah. for, so we'll just say it in plainest of terms. Steppenwolf is a story about a middle-aged man, Henry, Harry, Jesus Christ, why did I say Henry? I said Henry earlier, that's why you say it, Henry. <sighs> you messed up. Yeah. Uh, a story of a middle-aged man struggling with the duality of his nature, depression, and other psychedelic drug-fueled experiences, and I think that that's a very... Uh, basic level of of explaining this book but it's this is a this is a tough nut necessarily to try to to crack there's a lot um initially i will say in the past you know we talk about what it is that drives us to read fiction and i know i talk a lot about characters really big for me and sort of how they experience plot and and you know how the story sort of develops around them and this was a unique story in the sense that i felt the entire time that the plot really takes place in, in his mind and less so that there are actually these like uh plot churning that's going on with, with events that we've seen in more, not, not to degrade them in any way, like books that we've read in the past that are, have a more of a surface level, a traditional structure of plot in which sure. it's a character experiencing things and adapting to that. This very much feels different, surreal, in some instances, especially, you know, the back third of the book. Yeah. Um, but I know that going into this book, and, and we talked about it very briefly, I, I just want to kind of get into the first third of the book, because I know that that was tough for you, that you were actually, before you kind of got on board and, and things got rolling in the story, and we actually kind of saw plot necessarily with, with what's going on in a situation, that we have a lot of this sort of psychology yeah. behind behind who he is. And I and I want to talk about that first and foremost before we get into a lot of other things in okay. this the first third of the book. Not necessarily to break it down in segments, but really I think that it's important to kind of get through that because that really is the foundation for everything that we see change and sort of we, what we expect of the character going forward. Yeah. So you get into into the you know, first, what is it, 60 pages, 70 pages, where Give you get into take, the, the, like the treatise yeah. of, of like, the Steppenwolf. And my only thought as I was going through that and the, the preface, which was from the, was it the nephew of the, the, land, uh, yes, the uh, landlord? The, yes, his and, aunt who was giving residence to Harry while he, you know, rented out a few rooms. and My, my thought took. was... Oh dear God! What has Jacob made me read? 
you have no faith in me. Uh, no, I have I have faith, and uh, but but at the same time, um, that was the hardest part of this book to get through because, um, it's very much uh talking at you, and there there were a lot of you know little like sort of gems in there. Uh, and oh, absolutely, we can get to that. In a yeah, second too. I, the the whole book is is full of stuff like that, but it was almost uh like taking a sort of writer's uh, perspective of things, it was sort of a self-congratulatory sort of uh, expose about, you know, this character that, you know, we see in, in the later half of the book. And I struggled through, through that um, just from uh, an interest standpoint, but you know, there was a lot of complexity and there was a lot of, you know, sort of um, introspective, uh, uh, sort of foundation that was that was set up in that that you know helped you understand the movement I think of of the rest of the book so I you know I think it's important but it wasn't for me at least enjoyable sure what was your yeah. reaction I definitely think that the way this book is is laid out as far as the complexity you kind of have this u curve with the way it's structured for different yeah. reasons you start the book off and for very important reasons that you learn out later or that you sort of realize later when you're kind of getting into actually the the changes that manifest within Harry over the course of the book and especially towards the end when you get into this very kind of psychedelic, surrealist experience um, that, yeah, I think it's very important that you set up early on kind of who he is and this sort of idea behind him, even though there is that, again, <laughs> from a traditional work of fiction when you look at it you kind of build these things right you want to start small and you sort of add on to that as far as like who were who who's the character here who are we who are we following what's going on in his life and then as we sort of grow with him we understand more about him and we we you know empathize and we sort of share in his experiences and all this stuff we're not really given that sort of ease of entrance we're kind of thrown into the deep end and when i say u curve we get this very sort of high barrier to entry we get thrown a whole lot of kind of uh, psychoanalysis of who Harry is and kind of everything along with the Steppenwolf and just his his idea and just all of this sort of disassociation with society or the bourgeois and the sort of duality that lives within like lives inside of him and and there is that high barrier to entry and I can certainly see as a reader kind of just coming into this blind how it can kind of come off in that very sort of pretentious and arrogant sort of uh, psychological way, right? Where you're yeah. just sort of yep. demeaning the idea of middle-class life and how people sort of strive for this, you know, comfort and how Harry Evanimum himself is very sort of geared towards the extremes of saint and center of, you know, man or wolf. But I have a quote. I know that we're we're kind of saving our, our like, our, our quotes, you know, from from this book that we want to talk about a little bit, but I do have one that initially like struck me that was okay in this first little segment where we're, we're kind of getting the, the treaties of the, of the Steppenwolf man designs for himself a garden with a hundred kinds of trees, a thousand kinds of flowers, a hundred kinds of fruit and vegetables. Suppose then that the gardener of this garden, no other distinction than between edible and inedible nine tenths of this garden would be useless to him. He would pull up the most enchanting flowers and hew down the noblest trees and even regard them with a loathing and envious eye. This is what the Steppenwolf does with the thousand flowers of his soul. What does not stand classified as either man or wolf, he does not see at all. 
and consider all that he imputes to man, all that is cowardly and apish, stupid and mean, while to the wolf only because he has not succeeded in making himself its master is set down all that is strong and noble. Oh, God. I feel like we could just like exchange quotes all night and be like, just just answer. Like, just respond yeah, to that. Just, I don't know. The idea, and, and again, sort of the reflection here is that you're missing so much of the nuance of of human psyche or of, of the elements that sort of consist uh, as to like who you are. And, and, yeah. and I guess on a more personal note, you know, the idea to sort of write off such a huge element of not society, but like of yourself that's reflective of kind of the things that you see in society. And, and to take it to a completely unrelated thing, but mm-hmm. I think that's a, a, that in a way kind of makes it easy to sort of talk about last week, for example, on a completely unrelated note, you know, we had midterm elections and, and Ryan and I, you know, we get together regularly on the week and, and we talked a little bit about just the idea of kind of our own involvement in the yeah. political process. And I know I don't talk a lot about politics on the show. And that's because, again, a large portion of my of my personality is sort of separate from that. I, I, yeah. It's not uh, it's not that I don't care, but it's it's sort of that that level of detachment. And this book, in, in a lot of ways, kind of had me feeling that sort of resentment towards that element of my personality where, you know, you kind of have you kind of have Harry who when, you know, as an intellectual, he sort of derides the the bourgeois desire for that sort of middle ground, that comfort, that easy yeah. life. And he would much rather have. And I have a quote somewhere in oh, here geez. in my notes. You act God, like you actually read a book, wrote some things down. God knows where. But the gist of it was, you know, he would rather have the devil, you know, burn within the yeah. his soul of being than, you know, live with the comforts of a slumbering God. And I'm paraphrasing, and I'm sure it's it's terrible. But that's the gist of the quote is the idea of, you know, pursuing your intellectual passions, you know, that you can never just sort of live the life of, of just expecting comfort or, or just sort of being complacent with that comfort and you know i can definitely relate to that and this is i think is the most potent you know readily available example of that previously when you sort of relate to sort of midterm elections and that i'm not overly passionate about sort of political endeavors so i kind of you know am just apoplectic about it i'm just sort of like eh, whatever happens whatever happens i'm not yeah. really interested in it but then those the more sort of passionate and intellectual side of my being says hey that sort of disconnect your you're just sort of seeking that sort of blissful ignorance whether than or you know rather than um, sort of allowing yourself to understand to learn to throw yourself into this idea and good bad or otherwise you sort of champion it or fight for it yeah that was something that jumped out to me like immediately like immediately right off the page and I've just been word vomiting for days so I'm gonna let you get in here yeah for sure. so there there is a political aspect to this book and there's um certainly a political aspect to Hesse. So, you know, he was he was one of the artists that uh, that fled Nazi Germany. Um and he was criticized uh, a bit for not speaking out against the the whole, you know, nationalist movement uh, a little bit more fervently. Um I think you get a good uh, idea in this book of of sort of what his his personal uh, beliefs were, um, and you know when when you, when you talk about modern times and um, I've I've been I've been really measured 
uh, on our podcast about my thoughts and the experiences that um, my grandmother has has imparted on me. And, you know, but I think that we are at a point and I would do an injustice to my grandmother's experiences and the experiences of, of people like Hessa um, to not point out the fact that we're at a dangerous part in our, our political lives in this country. And um, not to not to say that um, that our president is is the next, you know, Adolf Hitler. I, I don't I don't know that he is. I don't know that he's not. Um, but what I do know is is one of the last things that that my grandmother had said to me was that, you know, her experiences during the election very much reflected her experiences as as a child growing up in the 1930s. I think we have a responsibility to partake in that in that larger conversation about about politics. And I think Hessa um, is certainly accused as a writer of of not partaking in that. Well, to some to some extent, because he does he does talk a little bit when you see his interactions with the professor later yeah. on in the book. And we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves when he's talking about this sort of. Uh, just sort of unchecked sort of nationalism and patriotism because that yeah. is a part of that is an element of this book that kind of stews below because For sure. of the time period when it's written you know we're talking uh mid, late, late 20s you know late 20s so we're talking about the middle of the Weimar Republic this is after the Treaty of Versailles you know there's a lot of sort of turmoil within Germany at this time and you know, our protagonist in the book, he talks explicitly about, you know, how he foresees another war coming and it's almost prophetic, you know, yep. but not really, because if you're paying attention, I guess, to necessarily the elements at play in retrospect that sort of led to the circumstances that we got in World For War sure. II with For National sure. Socialism, you know, the, the Nazis coming into power and all these other things, like, it makes sense, um, but you sort of have this resistance with that professor character that it's yeah. kind of like the he's just more of the like blindly, you know, nationalist or whatever. And and again, I, I don't think this book is inherently political in nature. I think it has important things to say in that regard. And I think that when you talk about I mean, I, I think that just on a service level, that was something that I um, connected with the book about whenever you whenever, yeah. more on the element of the idea of middle-class comfort versus the purity of like just intellectual pursuit. You know, he talks a lot in this book about the immortals, whether it's achieving that level of success or fame right. or receiving that level of just universal truth that elevates your existence beyond that of a normal human being. And that being kind of at odds with the, the bourgeois middle-class idea of just comfort and just getting by and just, you know, having that ease and, and, and like that, that's something that I identify with. And I think that that was a, that was yeah. just sort of something that I could draw upon in, you know, recent past to sort of say like, yeah, I can see kind of an immediate connection in that element of my nature as a human being to say, sure, I'm not so interested in politics. I just care about, you know, whatever's going on in my life right now. But then, you know, the more intellectually seeking element of my nature of my soul says, Hey, no, we want to find, you know, these elements of truth and these elements of, good and bad and otherwise and that's the thing that we're that we value above all else and and that was to me the thing that initially jumped out at to me and, and went like okay well now i experience this kind of contradiction of soul this sort of contradiction of purpose and mm -hmm. and honestly this whole book man 
you know, this whole book is just built on this idea of just the 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 duality and and just sort of that even even developing off beyond that because we see sort of when he gets to the end we see the sort of elements that exist beyond that you know it's not just it's not just a or b there's a lot of there's a lot of interplay and, and interconnected bits of your personality that work in in weird ways and you're not necessarily um should you be focusing explicitly on you know the wolf or the man you know these elements but that is you know that is emergent initially as something that you can Im- immediately identify with this this book to me there was one screaming like theme throughout there was uh on page what was it 97 um he's he's having uh he's having one of his sort of uh delusions with with uh the poet goth gotha I don't know how to say his name correctly. Uh, anyway, him, yeah, this is your he's, realm. He's the, the yeah, German, no, <laughs> the German. Yeah, that's your realm. Uh, no, well, pronunciation. I, very, very I do poorly. My best. I think it's Gotha, but I should know that. Okay, uh, but anyway, uh, he's he's saying back um, seriousness, young man, is an accident of time. It consists. I don't mind of telling you, Love in confidence, in putting too high a value on time. I too once put too high a value on time. And sometimes oh, you stop you stop just before it continue keep going. You want me to for like, that I reason feel, yeah. I wish to be 100 years old. In eternity however, there is no time you see. Eternity is a mere moment, just long enough for a joke. Yes. Okay. So you like the second half of that. And I, like the, I can I see like why. The, I, I can like see the entirety why. of it. Just yeah. the idea of like longing for I don't know, just time versus the idea of like the immortals in eternity. Just the seriousness of, I don't know, I guess your approach with your attitude towards this. Well, so so one of the things, like if you want to draw like back to mod- modernity, right? It's okay. like, one of the weird things about hitting, hitting uh, 30s is that like music changes for you. Right? Oh God, we had to get uh, this no, episode. No, we're fucking hear getting me, real. Hear, hear me out, man. Because uh, this is this book is a quintessential middle age story. Yes, and we are. Well, listen, we're not in middle age. Come on, we're young men here. We're like bottom end of the we're of young middle men. age. We're we're top end of young men. Okay, we're still allowed to call ourselves young men for a few more years. Mid thirties, I believe, is when it ends, and uh, you're going to be there before me. So that's fine. True. By uh, a year or two, I always forget. You're two years older than me. Yeah, or a two year years. Older than, two. You're two years. So you'll be 33 Three next years. year. No, you'll be 33 next year. I'll be yeah. 31 in January. Okay, so two years. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, the the point, the the distinction, and again, this 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 comes up again and again in this book, especially when it comes to to music, is that you sort of um, you sort of have this uh, affinity for things that have sort of stood the test of time, right? Yes, and. Uh, Certainly, um, you know, there's there's value to the things that do. Right. Um, But also, you know, it doesn't lessen the um, the value of things that are still being created. Like you have this juxtaposition of, you know, what we would call classical music now and, and, and jazz in this in this book. And and Harry's is very much, you know, on the on the part of thinking that, you know, uh, you know, classical music is the end all be all. 
that they're yeah, he they're, despises jazz. Yeah, he, he feels that it's uh, just sort of an indulgent sort of surface level thing until he you know later on does actually indulge in it a little bit and understand right. kind of the value of that human experience. And and the funny thing is you know and Pablo sort of embodies that um, that mentality as he's sure. trying to talk to him about you know the philosophy of music and and all of that. But you know. Where are we at? Where are we now on 1920s and 1930s jazz? You know, we talk about uh, just the you know ingenuity and all of these all of these different elements that go into creating this thing. Where at the time these were just people living a, a certain lifestyle and, and creating creating music. But that that in and of itself, if you look at sort of the foundation, I know you can you can draw it back because foundationally everything that we know now musically you know stems from things of the right. century but especially jazz you know it's a very americanized form of of music and it's a, it was especially a huge foundation especially kind of that uh southern you know just that sort of jazz element that led into rock and roll and led into all these other sort of like musical movements and and what's crazy is the idea of just you know when you think separately of like oh well classical music it stands the test of time because millennia and and all the things that have sort of compounded off of that and you sort of contradict that with jazz but the reality of it is is you know now living where we know that so much of the elements with with just chord progression with just musical styling with just um, vocalization lyrics everything within that is such a huge foundation for you know, a huge element of the music that has stemmed off that and made up the bulk of the of the twentieth and now twenty first century, and it's just, yep. yeah. I mean, that's an interesting that's an interesting takeaway from that for sure. So, okay, we've we've not even touched on I think the the this, heart of what this book is about, which is struggling with sort of the the disparate personalities that we all harbor, and certainly oh, Harry. Uh, Harry dealt with some stuff that, you know, a lot of people deal with and, and, you know, depression and, uh, certainly, you know, suicide. Um, and we talked about that last episode in, uh, the night country. Um, you know, that was, that was a huge theme in that book as well. Um, and I mean, that's, that's really the heart of this. What we've, what we've talked around um already is is really just the ancillary stuff that I think lends itself to to being addressed um in conversation but at the heart of this we really have a book about a guy struggling um with himself yeah and just connecting to or at least connecting in a positive way to kind of the existence around him to you know you see the progression, especially through the uh, through the prologue, you know, you see, yeah. you kind of reach this point where Harry is just sort of disconnected from human existence, and I feel like that's something that happens at least to varying degrees with with everyone, or at least I would I I would assume that there's that degree kind of of disconnect sometimes within within human emotion and human existence. I know I've personally felt times in my life where I just have kind of felt disconnected from the the things the people the general ideas or mood of the world around me and you know have been purposefully or just as a result of this sort of this these feelings kind of isolated and uh 
Yeah, I think that's a huge point in this book is that that relatability of the idea of just being being isolated or being or being separate or being, you know, trying to trying to understand the the processes at play that lead up to that sort of extreme level of discomfort you know i mean we see in this book he kind of you know he reads the treatise and he goes well i have this sort of disparate you know these disparate spirits within me that are fighting for that are trying to wrestle control and sabotage the other elements of my nature and the the reasonable conclusion i've come to is that when i i'm 47 when i turn 50 i will end my life because that is the the solution and yeah i mean that's relatable in some ways like not on a necessarily strictly like suffering from depression way, but I think the human condition comes with itself a huge degree of baggage. Um, sure. Emotional baggage and experiential and just in general, I feel like as human beings, we tend to we tend to go towards the more pessimistic elements of our nature and or at least i'm speaking i'm speaking very generally <laughs> yeah when really i'm speaking obviously individually you know when i speak of human beings i'm speaking of myself i haven't lived your life i haven't lived someone else's life i don't know their experience but i would hope that through my own experiences i can empathize and understand and and see a lot of the elements that happen in your life that happen in my life and i can say kind of definitively that in my life that the tendency is and not not a state of depression or a state of like being upset or being sad or anything, but the tendency is to be more critical than not of kind of the experiences that you're, that you're feeling you're seeing or, or to be more skeptical uh, more, more often than not. And that tends to lend itself to, you know, having a higher degree of anxiety or or you know you know talking on bordering the idea of depression and things of that nature and i i don't think that that's necessarily something to be like ashamed of or to be sort of you know ignoring or or trying to downplay or anything like that yeah and you know we talk about it or i had mentioned it you know previously in a social engagement of ours and it was it was from this book the idea of you know early on in the prologue and again i'm going to butcher this because i don't have the exact quote in front of me but the idea of um, man not being able to swim, and of course not. Well, man yeah. was meant for the for the dry earth, and and man was meant for also living and not thinking. And any man that makes thinking, you know, any man that spends his time thinking, or better than that, puts his makes his business thinking, has bartered his dry land for for water, and will surely drown. And just the idea that of the people in the world, or or at least in the people that I've I've sort of interacted with or in my own personal experiences, the people that spend a lot of time sort of consumed in the thought of what should be and what should not be or what, you know, life should amount to or what things should be working towards, they tend to sort of weigh towards the more pessimistic or, you know, borderline depressed side. And I sure. think that that's, that's just, you know, that's, I feel, an underlying element of human nature. I mean, like, what's your thoughts on that? Like, I, I feel like that is a huge, 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 huge segment of this book that, at least from a relatability standpoint, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in with. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a tough thing for, for me to sort, of, to sort of swim through because um, I, I think sometimes, you know, there, there are different things that 
that weigh you down in life. I think a lot of times it's it's just a, a feeling of of being disconnected. I think Harry is uh, disconnected from you know his sort of idealistic um, way of of things. The world has progressed past his way of thinking. I've dealt with with suicide in in my family. Uh, my my dad uh, killed himself when when I was three years old, and um, that's that's something I've I've spent a great deal of time um, thinking on. And um, and what's what's interesting to me is the the difference. Uh, between between Harry and and the way that I sort of envision my 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 dad's situation is that you know Harry's situation was uh, was much less based on sort of his current um, station in in life. Um, you know he had sort of you know withdrawn and it was almost like an emotional impulse in a way um it was sort of an extension of his of his character of his intellect um what he needed to save himself was uh the sort of hermione's mentality of just yeah. you know live in the here and now and, and and enjoy the things that uh you willingly withhold yourself from that you know you don't give uh you know any any effort whatsoever uh whereas uh, my my father's was to to not look forward to to not look backward and to only see the here and now. Uh, for me, it was it was it was a real punch in the gut um, from the get go to to sort of like wade through this book. To be honest, um, because I had to deal with with a lot of you know my my thoughts on my dad and quite frankly things that that I worry about in in my life you know i i worry about the the sort of ghost on my shoulder of whether or not i'll have the same sort of impulse at any point in time if if my wife left me or if yeah. uh my my friendships or career collapsed or whatever uh would i come to the same conclusion um and so i, I you know i th i think for for me it's it's uh the the hardest thing about the the book is is looking at the the darker aspects and sure. um, then getting into some of the stuff maybe toward the end, uh, which I I think is the stuff that Hessa really wants us to to pay attention to. Meaning the last third of the book when we get into sort of the yes psychedelic reflection. Yeah. Before we do that, I I feel like. There's an interesting take, and, and I guess this kind of relates to the to the real world adaptation of this book because this book, um, it it I'm not sure exactly how it caught on overseas, but um, it didn't really catch on seemingly that much until Amer in America until sort of the late 50s, early 60s, and it was a really big, um, it was a really big book for sort of that counterculture movement. I think yeah. they sort of reflected a lot with the. Um, the ideas more so in the second and third parts of this book, less than the the, the first little bit. Although, For sure. you know, the idea of sort of rejecting middle class values and and moving away from the ideas of comfort and moving into that sort of idea of, you know, human expression and, 
you know, a lot of what we see with Harry in the second half with just sort of the, the sensual nature and, and indulging in the things that you necessarily put off for intellectual pursuits and even sort of the drug usage and psychedelic episode kind of in the third that picked up really big with yeah. sort of the counterculture and, and understandably so. Um, and I even I had read, I think previously that Timothy Leary, which is a, it was a familiar name to me that I needed to look up who was apparently a, uh, psychologist who was really big on the use of like uh psychedelic and mood altering drugs as a means of like personal discovery and, and understanding was was kind of high on this book as far as the last little bit for um i don't know understanding for that kind of path of like self-understanding we get that a lot in this book too but yeah one of the things that's like briefly addressed in this book um that I kind of see a little bit, especially in the third part and just the idea behind the adaptation, like how it's sort of uh, caught on within America is the idea of the overlap of like cultures or times or religions where you see sort of this clash of like people that are kind of lost within these like changing of the guards. And there was one thing literally the very end of the prologue before we get into, uh, before we get into Harry's records, um, it was a little quote that I thought was interesting that I, before we move on to the next little bit, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on. Yeah. And it uh, it was, I often had to think of these words while reading the records. Haller belongs to those who have been caught between two ages, who are outside of all security and simple acquiescence. He belongs to those whose fate it is to live the whole riddle of human destiny heightened to the pitch of a personal torture, a personal hell. It almost seems like the experiences within this or yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, it resonates. I feel like more so a, a lot of what I've seen about this book. And again, I, I, you know, I'm kind of a lot of this is roundabout a lot of what I've seen about this book, positive or negative. You know, there are people that don't really relate to this book. There are people that relate to it heavily, whether it's middle age or whether it's just sort of another experience within your life, whether you're, you know, you've experienced depression or you've experienced, you know, things that you can kind of relate to in this book. It seems like a lot of the elements in this, that's kind of the summary right there is, you know, he exists for the people that sort of live between these two, these, this, this duality, they live between yeah. this idea. They're kind of not fixed and they sort of live the same degree of not personal hell, more of just a personal struggle of trying to reconcile that with, with their own existence and with their own sort of, uh, I don't know, resistance towards the idea of that kind of middle class life or anything like that, but I'm rambling. Anyway, let's get to the third let's get to the third little bit of this book. Because the first yeah. we spent a lot of time talking about the the psychological kind of build up in the background of the Steppenwolf and everything. The second the second third of the book is really just him indulging in the ideas of those things that he necessarily held out on or, yep. or, or thought less highly of. And then the third of the book is really when we get into this sort of psychedelic self-discovery and and self-exploration in the magic theater. And I'm assuming that's what you're wanting to get into now. And maybe you have something immediately for that. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I think, you know, generally speaking, it's, it's something that, that Harry couldn't do for himself. Right. Like in, in the sense that 
he got sort of caught in his own his own loop. Yeah, it's like uh, a his own, his own yeah negative feedback loop. And uh, and and Hermione, uh, real or fake as as she may be, uh, probably fake. Probably just sort of a based on my reading. Well, uh, based on I, yeah, again, I interpret a lot of the the movement of the story to be internal, yeah, not external, not plot that's going on, and he's actually doing these things that's more in his mind, right. Um, so, you know, it's sort of the first time that he sort of extricates himself from this sort of feedback loop of, uh, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. Literally just in the nick Um, of time because he was, you know, after his, after his incident with the professor, he's going back to kill himself, but he sort of holds off on that and goes to the, the end and, and meets her in just the nick of time. And, and sort of goes through these different, uh, almost like sort of psychologist uh sort of sessions of like you know how do how, what do i think about you know this and and the first movement was weird what was the one with the automobile okay what so was we're talking called? about the magic theater yeah. so we have the great hunt in automobiles which yeah. is sort of the idea of man versus machine and right and it's sort of the what i had gotten from this was a lot of the kind of a little bit of kind of the 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 mentality of like the war machine, the or Weimar, sort of, yeah, yeah, the kind of idea of the government and 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 the separation between sort of humanity versus the just sort of machinations of sure. kind of this machine sort of rolling towards that, and you see that in some extent with his his whole experience within that. Yeah, that one to me was the was was a little bit weird. It, it did feel out of place compared to the rest that we saw within within the Magic Theater. That was kind of it was the first one we get. Yeah, and it was by far the most un- disconnected from the rest. Like the rest, there was yes. kind of a common thread at least within. But uh, yeah, the the rest was sort of Harry sorting out his sort of psyche, right? Like um, dealing with his his past, like. Uh, sexual so, like repression and rejection and uh everything that Hermione had had said to him sure um so okay so so putting yeah. aside the great hunt in automobiles that's you know as he's in the magic theater we have the different rooms right that he experiences so we yes. have four more after that and I want to I'm just going to name all the four and I want you to tell me which you, I guess, as a reader, enjoyed which you enjoyed the most, the least, and which kind of was the strangest to you of these four options. Okay, you good? You good with this? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. So there was the guidance at the building up of personality, success guaranteed. This was the sort yep. of chess experiment. Chess. Yep. Then we have the marvelous taming of the Steppenwolf, which is kind of the dichotomy of the man taming the wolf, wolf taming the man. Then we have the all go- all girls are yours, where Harry's looking back on all the you know failed sort of romantic relationships and reliving that with different outcomes. And then finally we have how one kills for love, where Harry, you know, we assume you know he kills Hermione and and he's kind of having this moment with Mozart and talking about sort of the, you know, the the beauty, albeit in a in a different medium of kind of these works of the immortals, as as Harry put it. So of those four. I would just immediately ask which was your favorite, which was your least favorite, and which was kind of the most unsettling, I guess is a good way to put it for you. Yeah, so unsettling would have been the the taming of of man and wolf, whatever that one was. Yeah. Um just because I think there's there's a lot of a lot of truth to that. Um that sometimes even when you're fully conscious of uh maybe your less desirable traits uh 
you know, sometimes you, you talk your better half out of whatever it is that they're trying to talk the other half into and, and vice versa. Um, sometimes in the, in the, you know, best of circumstances. Um, so that one was, was unsettling. Um, favorite and least favorite. I know it's tough. Man. Yeah. We don't even have to least favorite. What's your favorite? My, I think of the remaining three, man. So again, we have the chess game. We have the dealing with the past relationships and then sort of the penultimate, (sighs) him killing Hermione and I think I think my that f- moment with Mozart. I think my favorite was was the dealing with the past relationships because that's something that I do with with myself a lot um and sometimes in like really small ways, right? Like um sometimes if I know that I've got to talk to somebody about you know maybe it's an employee that I've I've got to talk to about, you know, something yeah. something at work like showering in the morning and you sort of have this like hypothetical conversation in your head or whatever, or, you know, more frequently, um, you know, when I try to shut everything down and I'm going to bed for the night, um, and I'm not overly tired, I tend to, to play through all these, you know, possibilities of conversations and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I sort of, uh, saw the relatability in, in that whole thing. Um, because there, there is always a, a bit of a, a wonder about like, you know, what if, you know, sure, in, sure. That's in, human in romantic relationships, and not even, I don't think that's even, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's obviously super present in those because those are very emotional experiences, but I think just our nature in and of itself lends itself to that. Yeah. Sort of constant questioning about things that have, that we've decisions we've made in the past paths that we've gone down in that nature and. And yeah, so I would agree in a lot of ways. Man, you know, you had to pick the two that I think I was very similar on as well. But I'll, okay. I'll, I'll go a little bit. I want to hear it. I do think that unsettling wise, the taming of the Steppenwolf for sure was for me. Just I don't know. It was it was more so the idea of you know when you look at that duality of your personality, right? When you look at the things that are kind of at odds within your your nature and your spirit. Yeah. And I feel for the most part as a person, you know, I tend to they tend to sort of counteract each other, right? And and create this sort of reasonable middle ground that you tend to operate in. And you sure. don't necessarily, like there's not one element of your personality that is overrepresented, at least. For me, I, I can say like, I, I feel like I'm pretty evenly grounded here and I don't allow one, you know, sort of aspect of my psyche to, to be overrepresented and to kind of be, have developed that neurosis one way or, one yeah. way or another. Yeah. So just the idea of having you know, one element or, or one part of your of your spirit, of your psyche, be in control. It, it is unsettling, the idea of yeah. being all one way or all of the other. Um, more so, you know, towards the, the Steppenwolf side because of its indulgencies and just sort of wild nature. And, you know, again, I guess the basic level is, you know, how do you relate, as a quick aside, like, do you relate to the idea of, of having that sort of, duality in your personal personality because i do i i 100 i 100 relate to the idea of having that sort of at odds idea of you know the the modern sort of intellectual grounded sort of not appeasement but l- portion of your of your personality that that sort of strives for harmony or whatever and then that other person like portion of your personality that's kind of not unhinged but more untamed just sort of uh, tends to gravitate towards extremes, tends to be... 
yeah. a little bit more dismissive of the idea of like harmony and, and more so bullishness on the idea of like pursuing your your desires, your wants at whatever cost, being more sort of self-centered, self, you know, realizing all that sort of idea. Like I, I did relate with that a big yeah. deal in this book, 100 percent. Like that's part of what kept me kind of in, involved. And so, yeah, it was it was a little unsettling, the idea of having each of those those elements of your psyche sort of independent of themselves kind of running the show. I think, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of weird, right? Because, um, I've got, I've got a mouth on me. Like when we are not on the podcast, when, you know, we're just sort of interacting. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And, uh, well, we all, but the podcast, the podcast, the podcast brings out, not that this is like, I it's don't not, filter myself too much correct, on the podcast. Correct, But we do have, there's an element of decorum. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, I, I dropped an F-bomb earlier in the episode that I kind of went like, ow. You know, we've been pretty good yeah, about, yeah. About, about measuring ourselves in this, in this uh, sphere. But, yeah, there is, there is a degree of, of that for but, sure. But what's, what's funny to me is that, like, the, the person that I am at work uh, is materially different than the person that I am when you and I go get drinks or go to dinner or, you know, hang out on, on the weekends, whatever, uh, which is still a different person from the sort of persona that I, I write in, uh, whether yeah. it's, you know, poetry or whatever. So yeah, there, there is sort of like always kind of a, a shifting thing. And, you know, even, um, even now, I, I sort of measure uh, the things that I say uh, to make sure that that what I what comes out of my mouth is is the the point that I want to get across. Whereas uh, more in my sort of social life, um, I will say whatever it is that comes to mind, sure. and there's then a more usually emotional, regret that. Yeah, there's some more emotional injection yeah. in that. Yeah, like 100%. when you put two fucks in 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 one sentence, you've probably overdone it. And probably. I, I, I frequently probably. I frequently run into that. Yeah, problem. usually it's a one and a half on yeah. average type rule per sentence at at most. But okay, um, so so that was that was my most unsettling. I think my most interesting was also the all girls are yours, but uh, you kind of covered the reasoning. Yeah, you had very similar reasoning behind that. So my second close would have been the. Uh, Guidance of the building up of the personality success mm. guaranteed. And just the idea okay. of how the multitudes of like elements or, or, or archetypes or whatever in your personality can be kind of adjusted and how they all sort of interplay as this kind of game of existence. I thought that was that was very interesting. So, yeah, well, it's it's I think the great part and the difficult part about about being a human is that. You do have this this multifaceted, you know, personality that you know is is something that you have to present in certain situations, but also you know something that that you struggle with with yourself sometimes. In you know, to decide, am I the guy that gets that gets on a podcast every two weeks that that reads books and you know talks intelligently about life and the things that that he's been through. Um, or am I the person that, that drinks, uh, a 12 pack of beer on the weekend and goes and plays video games with his buddies? Like he's, you know, 18 years old. And sometimes it's, it's a tough, like juxtaposition. You can be both of sometimes those things. Sometimes it's both. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, there's a, you know, yeah, it's, it's this, this book. If, if there's one thing that I can appreciate and there's one thing that 
whenever I would suggest this book to anyone is to reflect on the complexity of just human existence and the idea of that. And again, the, you know, at the end of the book, we're led, you know, we're, we're led to kind of understand to not think in so much black and white and to the, the pure duality of the man versus the wolf. And, and, you know, we're led to sort of understand that there's a lot of more elements to that, but it's very easy to kind of, to kind of look at, you know, it's very easy to look at your own personality and look at your own experiences and say, like, well, I do this, but I also do this. You know, there's most people that I've found, and, and again, you know, I'm not trying to say for everyone, but most people that I am good friends with or family or people that I relate to or, or you know, even just on an on a experiential basis, most people have that very core element of there's yep. this kind of duality of nature, and I think that that's just... That's a human. That's just a human existence. You know, there yes. there are obviously other facets of your of your of your personality of your psyche, but at the end of the day, it, there is that very apparent duality of it. But I, I I think it's not important to necessarily look at things necessarily in black and white, but to understand that that's that's just part of you. To not necessarily feel necessarily pulled or regret or positive about one thing or the other. Just understand that. We're human beings. We're complex. We do a lot of weird, dumb stuff. The entire theme of this book, at you least got a quote for in me? my heart of hearts, yes. Fantastic. Uh, and I'm going to kind of pick up in the middle of a conversation okay. here. Um, it, actually, I think this is in the middle of the, the treatise. Um, looks like it's in the first third, so yeah. Yeah, so it says... Uh, page 52, if you have the paperback version. His aim is to make a home for himself between two extremes in a temperate zone without violent storms and tempests. And in this he succeeds, though it be at the cost of intensity of life and feeling which an extreme life affords. A man cannot live intensely except at the cost of the self. And I think that Based on Hesse's feedback about critical reception of that book, yeah. I think that is that is the heart of what this entire Absolutely. thing is about. Absolutely, that's the trade-off. Yeah, between finding you know finding that harmony versus that intensity of life, that yeah. intensity of experience. We've got to get to our we've got to get to our ratings, which is which um, is a shame because I feel like there's so much this book we haven't covered. I feel like reading this book only in kind of the two weeks that we devoted to reading it and just, you know, again, the one episode we talked a lot about it and, and we've had books yep. in the past that we've, you know, repeatedly said like, hey, you know, this is a book we could dedicate a couple episodes to. This is this is the hardest one for me because I feel like there's so much left unspoken in this book. And at the same time, that's good because that's that's the experience that I want to get with reading something. I want to be longing for more I want to be thinking about the book long after I put it down. Yep. And uh, yeah. So do you have anything else before we get into the, the actual ratings for where we're putting this on our shelf? I'll, I'll go. go and, for I, it. and I will say that um, I would be willing to read this book every decade for the rest of my life. Interesting. Okay. I think this is the first book that we've read on the podcast that I think um, – like made me introspective. The un- the only other book that I I think made me th- like interact on an intellectual level 
um, quite as highly was Hundred Years of Solitude. Top shelf for me. And like I'm I'm serious. I think it would be a super interesting thing for you and I to like every ten years of our life go back and read this and be like, how has this changed for you? At forty, at fifty, at sixty, at seventy, yeah. at you know That would be that's quite the undertaking. Heaven for sure. forbid eighty. Uh well, what don't if, say it like that. Well, I by just, the time we're eighty, eighty will be the new twenty. Come that's, on, that's that's a good point. Yeah, modern science and all that. Yeah. All right. So what 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 are your thoughts? Yeah, this it's, is your top, it's top shelf for me. Um, I I I I would I would be lying if I didn't say that uh, I didn't have high expectations for this book because I did look a lot into it before before picking it because I was kind of you know self conscious about some of my selections lately. Not that they've been <laughs> not that they've been bad. I you've, thoroughly, you've liked them less than I have. That is true. So yeah, I did a lot of time scrutinizing what exactly it was that I was going to pick for this specific episode. And uh yeah, I was very pleased with the payoff. This is gonna be top shelf for me. This is actually gonna take this is gonna be the one seed for me. I agree. Um this is gonna be the one seed just over Sense of an Ending by Barnes. In the same vein of just self-reflective fiction just having that sort of emotional connection that uh allows me to you know that allows me to really really dig into something like this and i and i do like the idea of rereading this maybe a decade from now when i'm a little bit uh older the problem is i don't feel like this is a universal recommendation um i don't know if i can recommend it to everyone but it's so good for me Personally, and for me, you know, there are people in my life that I know that it's like, oh, I, I have to recommend them this book. I have to see how they feel reading it. And just the way that, again, like we could spend three episodes covering a lot of the themes in this book, covering a lot, just sort of a deep dive into the yeah. ideas presented here. And that alone just warrants itself. I immediately wanted to reread it. I wanted to spend more than two weeks on this. I wanted to go look at a background of like, Jungian psychology and how that like greatly influenced a lot of the themes in this book and you know that level of of interest that level of just sort of um excitement towards a work of fiction it's higher than anything I've read on this on this podcast so far and that's not to knock anything I've read on this podcast before because we've read a lot of really 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 fantastic works all right next book is exciting it's the man it's the 2018 man booker prize recipient this was a yes. hot swap by you we were gonna read cathedral yes. by raymond carver we'll get to that well you know that's still on the short list we'll get to it eventually but it's carver he'll he'll raymond come up carver, eventually yeah. we hot swapped to milkman talk yes. about it uh i don't have anything really to say except for it's uh it's about the time of troubles in ireland and uh it is supposedly wonderful i know nothing about anna burns other than i watched live the the presentation yeah uh of the man booker and she was so like awkward and like <laughs> was not like self-congratulatory uh so i'm super excited about this um and then we're gonna we're gonna up the sap level to a hundred percent when we tackle a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens for our episode for our episode our episode, episode. after that was me trying to combine the words episode and after that after makes sense. episode I after gotcha. episode it'll be a fun lighter episode to just kind of. I don't know, maybe even reflect and relate on just Christmas. I or, just want to talk about like holiday. all of my like Christmas bullshit stuff. That's fine. That'll I want to talk about when I that. learned that Santa wasn't real. That I'll, You know what? I'll bring that experience too. So you have that to look forward to. You have just a whole 
a slew of just Christmas-related nonsense coming the episode after the next one. And then... I've been so focused on trying to come up with a book that would sort of encapsulate like sort of a... A changing of the guard, a, a, a different a different thing, and uh, sort of had this like week where I, I thought about like how did I get through um, how did I get through 2018 and and really it was it was it was my wonderful wife and uh, one of the things that I love most about my wife is is our disparate ideas in art sometimes um, interesting okay and uh, she's very much like into the documentaries like nonfiction space I'm very much into the fiction I love nonfiction and, like, poetry I love thing nonfiction. Vicky's, and Vicky's going up a little bit in rankings on yes my, on my friend's wife that's power weeks, rankings it's apparently. two weeks in a row that she's done that the friend's wife power rankings board that I keep apparently so but one of the things that that she pointed out this year was that she read a, a fictional book that she just thought was astounding and it's wow. called a gentleman in moscow so that's what we're going to read for the last episode of, of 2018 i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a good book though um and if not we have my wife to blame exactly it's win-win for you but again next episode we have milkman by anna burns and then after we have christmas carol by charles dickens before finishing off the end of the year with that and then who knows what 2019 will bring for us? I've, I've got some spicy ideas up my sleeves that I'm, I'm holding out on until we get a little bit closer to. So. All right. Obviously, we wish everybody a uh, very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we appreciate uh, all of the people that have been listening to our podcast, which the last few months has been an crazy. astounding Kinda number. Crazy, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're all over the place. We're excited to do this. We'll say thank you one more time. And until next time.